You're listening to the ILC Radio Network, brought to you by the Iowa Lean Consortium and Zone Strategies. Here's your host, Stephen Wilson. With us today is Jamie Flinchbaugh. Uh, Jamie, uh, I had the opportunity of, of meeting him, uh, I think, last year sometime at the ILC uh, conference. And uh, Jamie was speaking there on building a lean leadership operating system. And uh, he enjoys working with individuals and company uh, in an effort to help them execute to their ideal state. And uh, Jamie, I'd like to welcome you to the program and give you an opportunity to uh, introduce, introduce uh, yourself to us. Well, thanks. Uh, always glad to be here. Um, I, I've enjoyed engaging with the, uh, the ILC community, and uh, certainly it's, it's, it's a model for a lot of communities to, to pull together. So I've been uh, working on Lean for, for 20-some years, 27 years, I guess. Uh, a, a lot of my early time was really around uh, leadership roles in large organizations going through transformations. And so I, I got to play with Lean in product development and manufacturing and other, other roles. Um, learned a lot, made a plenty of mistakes along the way. Um, about 17 years ago, I co-founded a company called the Lean Learning Center with Andy Carlino and Dennis Pauly. Um, we, we really set about trying to make Lean more about behaviors instead of tools and engage leadership. I think we did that fairly successfully, uh, at least tried to. Um, and about two years ago, I exited that business um, and uh, been since working in advisory roles um, uh, with different companies, trying to continue to, to write, to continue to learn. Um, and I've, along the way, I've, I've, uh, I'll say, dabbled uh, with applying all of this to startups, uh, to angel investing, to board of director roles. Um, and uh, I just try to, try to learn a little every day. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had uh, uh, an excellent, uh, you're familiar with Mark Graven? Uh, yeah, Mark and I, I've known each other for a very long time. Yeah, uh, Mark's uh, in the book that he had put together, Practicing Lean, uh, one of the uh, contributors was talking about that lean is just simply acknowledging that you have more to learn. Uh, yep. You know, and, and so I thought that as you, as you made the comment that you've been uh, working on lean for 27 years, uh, you haven't arrived yet? Is that... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, you know, I, I haven't because if, if I were... A lot of this would be easier than it is. Um, well, and, and, you know, my point there being that, you know, a lot of organizations say, hey, well, you know, we, we, we did lean and, and uh, uh, we're lean now. And, and, right. But yet the, the reality is no, you're, you're always working on it, right? Yeah, one of the most uh, almost depressing pieces of research I had seen was a survey done, I believe, by Industry Week of, of companies throughout uh, North America. And uh, in it, they were evaluating their continuous improvement efforts. And, and the numbers, I forget the number exactly, but somewhere between 10 and 20% believed that they would fully implement the lean, as in they were done. And uh, boy, I, I, I know we have a long way to go, but that was, that was depressing that that many companies thought that they were done. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the, uh, uh, the statement that uh, if an organization ever says we've done lean, uh, it's an indication they never did. Absolutely. Because yeah, they just just thought in in a, in a uh, inappropriate uh, context. Uh, a couple of things that I really wanted to talk to you about today was 
gleaning from you some of the lessons that you've learned along your way. And, and in your book, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to Lean, you talk about several of those. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to expand on, on some of those lessons. And then also, uh, as time permits, to, to get into talking about uh, building that lean leadership operating system. So if you could start us off, geez, if there's maybe one lesson, <laughs> primary, and then go from there, that you've learned uh, uh, along the way. Yeah, so I, I think a lesson that, that, that stays with me that has really been central to my role, I would say, in the lean community is making lean more about behaviors than tools. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I look at a lot of things that, that people do, and you can give them the tools, but they, they don't know how to use them right. So you can give somebody access to financial analysis tools. That doesn't make them a good financial analyst. You can teach a soccer player how to kick a ball. That doesn't make them a good uh, player. Um, and you can give somebody all the lean tools in the, in the toolbox from from A3s to visual management, but it doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily use them right. And, and so while the tools still matter, it's not that we throw away the tools, it really is our behavior. It is how we think and act each and every day. And are we curious about cause and effect? Are we really trying to drive, do we have an intolerance for waste? Uh, do we really reflect on a regular basis about what's working and what's not? You know, you can find lots of tools to help make those things happen, but those behaviors remain, uh, remain paramount. They remain central, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of wallpaper lean out there, stuff that looks good, but in the end, it, it, it really is how somebody behaves. Would you say that that might be one of the reasons why, as you were uh, talking about the Newsweek article, um, that organizations are saying... We're, we're there because they're utilizing the tools? Well, yeah, if you, so, so a lot of organizations, and, and, and many are getting past this, would implement maturity models, assessments and, and things like that. And yeah. I, I, built, I built my own assessment tools, and uh, uh, we helped many clients build their own assessment tools. But many of the early assessment tools would be Checklists. They would say, have you, you know, do you have good 5S? Do you have good standard work? Mm -hmm. Do you have a good pull system? And you just go through and, and check the box, check the box, and, and you can say, yep, all the tools are implemented. And, but then you look at the organization and it's still maybe failing. So there's clearly a disconnect in my, my mind. Um, so I, I think that that tool focus does lead us to Yes, I know this, I know that, I know this other thing. We trained everybody on it. They are using it when we tell them to use it. And that, that to me, is the, the, the most significant indicator is mm -hmm. if I have to do problem solving because a, an organizational rule says when this happens, you do an A3, that's one thing. If I experience a problem and I say, oh, I don't understand this problem, I better dig in more deeply, and I decide on my own, without anyone looking that I want to do an A3, that's a behavioral choice. Mm -hmm. And so that you know, I've never built a metric around this because inherently you can't. Um, right. But to me, the best indicator of a lean journey is the ratio of voluntary lean to involuntary lean. So how much do people just do stuff versus how much does the system require them to do it? And 
you know, I, I, again, we can't, you can't measure it because as soon as you do, the involuntary lean becomes involuntary. But from an observation standpoint, that's always what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. um, as uh, as you've seen, then what what's the I guess maybe the what's the biggest uh, challenge that you're seeing of moving an organization? Maybe you can talk to us about an example of where you've maybe worked with an organization that has kind of moved from that tools focus to that behavioral. And uh, if you haven't experienced that, uh, what, what's, the, uh, what's the challenge of moving yeah. that organization that direction? So one of the keys um, that, that I believe for a long time is leadership engagement. That, and we very purposely use the word engagement because I remember many, many years ago when we started Lean Journeys, we were just looking for leadership buy-in, to, to not say this lean stuff is, is fairy dust, it's, it's hocus-pocus, it's, it's, it's baloney. So we're just looking for buy-in. And then once we started getting buy-in with people saying, I support lean, um, we're looking for support, visible support, showing up at events, helping kick them off, maybe even help you know, teach a class, provide some budget for, for activities, training, and so on. And, and we are so happy to have that that we, we kind of forgot to raise the bar again. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's been one of my mantras for many years is distinguishing leadership support to leadership engagement, which is really owning it inside out that that's where I see the voluntary lean. So I'll talk to many lean leaders and they'll say, yeah, I'm a lean thinker. I've been trained. I've been doing some of this stuff. And it's going on in the back of my head here all the time. Everything I do and say comes through lean, but it's not visible. So maybe that's true and maybe it's not true, but, but what is true is that when they're doing it in the back of their head, it's not visible to the organization. Right. And so to the organization, even if you do have a lean thinking leader, but you don't see them using these practices for their own work. They don't have their own standard work. They don't have their own visual management. They don't have their own use of problem solving, then I don't really know if that's a leadership role. I think it's, it's just for some other people. And so mm -hmm. when you get leaders doing it as this is how we solve problems, this is the expectation, this is how we get better results, I think every time you do that, you get, you get people understanding that, that it's not check the box, that this stuff really matters. Well, and I think, uh, you know, Obviously, one of the tools of, of Lean is visual management, and so, yeah, just to that effect, for leaders, we want to make sure that the work that we're doing, individuals are seeing it as it relates to Lean. Are we uh, conducting ourselves in the same manner as, as we are asking uh, those that uh, the general population to, uh, uh, to do and, and, uh, and perform? So do you have an example of an organization that you've seen kind of shift from that uh, tool focus to behavioral. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't share specific client stories. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Without their work, but, but um, yeah, probably you know one of my favorites was in a, a very large organization um, where it started in a pocket, but the key leader of this organization really got interested, and they they focused in on a couple of key points around problem solving including making sure that we don't do anything without having a clearly defined problem statement. And so you had a, a silo, a little, little team that was doing a lot of really good work, 
And then you had a leader who really, really exhibited that on an everyday basis. You'd hear him ask many times about problem statements, about root cause, about verification, about stuff. And people would, people would come to him with proposals without having clearly defined a problem statement. Out you go. Um, come to him with analysis without clear problem statement. And out you go. And so really started drawing that expectation of what was what how we behaved in the organization and as a result then very key people that understood how this one team that really adopted these practices worked then they started to scale so they started to take their practices and work them across the organization and sometimes reluctantly sometimes it was a push without question but it, it really hinged on that leader not saying you will go do this. He really didn't, but he expected that when you engage with me, this is what I expect. Mm -hmm. and, and so it became clear that this wasn't about checking the box. This was about how we do the work. And when mm -hmm. it becomes about how we do the work day in and day out and not about whether or not we're lean, then it's, then it's very real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, take us then through that the element of, of building that lean leadership uh, operating system. And uh, I would then probably want to kind of close out of, okay, we're going to have a lot of individuals that are, are listening and watching this, this program that are not in a position of leadership, but they've been given the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the edict to uh, go forth and, and become lean. So yep. maybe at the, the at the tail end, being able to provide some advice to them. So so what does a, a lean leadership operating system look like? And I, I understand it's more than just a, a, a 10, 15 minute discussion here, but sure. what can you highlight for us? So so let me start with a couple of points, and actually start with what you what you ended with, with around uh, people aren't in a leadership role, and so I believe leadership is an act um, and not a role. So even if you're an individual contributor, even if you're a second shift engineer in a, on a process line um, in a 50-person plant, okay, uh, who can you influence? Who can follow you? Who can you affect? That's your leadership uh, um, circle. So mm -hmm. your, your job title affects how many people you can lead, what's your, your, your span of influence, and affects what tools you can use. So... If you're an individual contributor or frontline supervisor, you can't reshape the incentive program. You can't uh, set policy for the organization. You can't send uh, communication to the entire company, but you act and talk all day long. And so, so I think you just have to be aware of what's available to me. What do I have in my tool set mm -hmm. um, to, uh, uh, to, to, to manage and work with? So, when it comes to an operating system from a leadership standpoint, what I see very often is we have leadership intent. So we intend to be a role model. We intend to coach people. We intend to uh, ask questions. We intend to do these all these things. But then we go to our, our operating system, our everyday work, our, the life that surrounds us, and other things get in the way, and our intentions get lost. So the idea of an operating system is what are you going to build around you that really helps force you into those, turn those intentions into act. 
So a very simple example is almost every leader I've worked with says, yes, I, I, I like to coach. I intend to be a coach. I want to coach some more. Great. Now, open up your schedule. Show me your calendar and show me where on your calendar you're coaching. Yeah. And in most cases, what they mean is, well, in these meetings that I'm a participant, I will lay my knowledge out on the table. I'll do drive-by coaching and uh, share my pearls of wisdom with everybody else. That's, that's not coaching. That's simply sharing observations and insights and thoughts and wisdom. Coaching is engaging somebody in a process of self-discovery, of learning, of capability building, of new insights. And so if, if, if you don't, if I can't see, you may not call it coaching on your calendar, but if I can't see where on your calendar that's what you think your primary role is, it's probably not really happening. Mm -hmm. um, and if your primary role in a meeting is to be an approver, approval of decisions, then coaching is at best secondary. Right? Maybe you still intend to coach there, but again, it's not usually actually coaching. So whether it's engaging people with questions, uh, whether it's coaching, whether it's doing direct observation, start to look at your system of work, how you spend your time, what tools you have available to you, your own decision rules, your own standard work, and how do you have that built in. So. There's lots of tools available to us, and sometimes we can keep it very simple. I'll give, a, give an example of a, a VP I coached. Um, he spent 33 years in, in the industry, very respected by his team, but he was, he was a headhunter. He would go out, and, and, and when there was a problem, he would go look for who to blame. Who's, whose head am I going to find? That's mm -hmm. what he was looking for. So um, in the process, he beat up an awful lot of people, and problems didn't always get better. So what he learned through his, his learning of lean is that many of these problems are bad systems of work, or management has failed the employee. Sometimes, of course, the employee may just fail, but he was expecting to continue finding that. Every time he went out, he found it was either bad systems of work or management had failed the employee. So his system for, his, for being a leader was very simple. He took a three-by-five card of the questions he wanted to ask and what he's looking for. He tacked it to the door jam of his office, and every time he left his office, he took that card with him. And as he did that, he didn't even have to look at it. Just holding mm -hmm. it as he walked around the factories would remind him of his intention. And it, it improved the turning of attention into real action. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people say, well, what's your system of work? And they're looking for something really elaborate. Sometimes it's just that simple. You, 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 you find a place to uh, put a reminder. Um, one of my, another favorites, just to demonstrate how simple it was, is uh, we had a, a team that had developed meter standard work. Um, I generally don't love that term because most of the tasks on it are management tasks, but Call it management standard work, call it control point standardization, call it leader standard work, whatever you want. But they had, they had a single piece of paper, and you, know, you, just, you just never remember to get that piece of paper out and follow it. Um, so in this case, they, they agreed on a standard is they would store their piece of paper on the keyboard of their laptop. What that meant was that you know, they get in in the morning, they open up their laptop, and before they can even hit the on button, 
that you've got to pick up and touch that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to forget that it's there. It's really yeah. hard to forget that you have standard work because you have to touch it just to get to your keyboard. Right. So it's a small little hack. It's a small little process change, but it just goes from shifting intentions to a real system of work, a real action that improves the probability that our intentions become reality. Talk to us, if you will, about um, the these were these were mentioned at the uh, the, the conference that I had, I had participated in there and, and, and had seen you uh, the the five frequencies. Can you spend a little bit of time talking about those, if you would, please? Yeah. So this is um, you know this is a model for leadership, and I've used a lot a lot of different models over the years. I, I believe uh, for a long time I've adopted the philosophy that all models are wrong and some are useful. So. <laughs> yeah. So the question is, well, what's a useful model for helping you think through your leadership roles? And I, I learned this from, uh, from Jeff Grimshaw at MG Strategy, um, and it's, it's what they use to coach leaders on. Um, and the five frequencies start with our decisions and actions, right? What, how do we act? How do we spend time? Do we do A3s? Do we go observe? What is visible from a decisions and actions standpoint? Um, so that's, that's one. Second, in no particular sequence, but also along that is recognition and reward. Now, we often say reward and recognition is one big bucket. I flip it around to say recognition and reward because when it comes to culture change, behavior change, recognition is a more powerful tool than reward. Mm -hmm. um, because in many regards, rewards are private, uh, recognition is public, and so it sends a much broader signal to the organization. So what do we, what and how do we recognize people? And many times we're recognizing people for the wrong behaviors. So we do recognition around things like um, uh, around firefighting. Somebody put out their own fire. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't do recognition for fire prevention, but we do it for firefighting. So so are we recognizing people for the right things? Third and and perhaps one of the most difficult is what we tolerate and what we don't tolerate. So both of those are actually pretty hard because the don't tolerate means that we, when we see the wrong behaviors, we actually do have to publicly not tolerate that behavior. That doesn't mean we, we beat on the desk and jump up and down, but we react to it. Because if we don't react to it, what everybody else saw was that we tolerated that behavior. So you know, the easy example I like to use is if somebody sits in a meeting, tells a racist joke, and then afterwards you pull the person aside and say, hey, that's not okay. Everybody else in the meeting actually didn't see that. What they saw was you tolerated. Mm -hmm. So it means we have to react publicly in, in, in productive ways to the wrong behaviors. And then what we tolerate is just as important. Do we tolerate somebody working on a small improvement that doesn't seem to have a big payoff while they're learning the skills, they're learning to be empowered, and the next one might be that much better. But do we pull that away and say, nope, I'm not going to let you work on that, it's not worth it? Or do we tolerate people going after stuff, failing a few times, not being fully productive in the, in the path to learning more? Uh, fourth is how we show up informally. So again, the, the words that we use, the, uh, the tone that we use, who we engage with, how we engage with them, Sometimes it's even just what seat you sit in at the table. Um, as, a, as a board member, 
if I go in to meet with folks uh, further down in the organizational chain that might not be that exposed to, to me as opposed to the senior management team, I know that they're going to be worried about what the implications of the meeting are. I always sit on the same side of the table as they are. Um, it's just, I'm not a board member, I'm just another human being. We're sitting here mm -hmm. talking. There's no table between us, it's not a big presentation, it's not a formal thing, just two human beings talking. So how you show up informally, uh, how you act out in the open matters a lot. And then finally is the formal communications. These are the words that we use, how we communicate via email, town halls, whatever that might be, is also a signal to the organization. And you know, I, I honestly don't know if, if there's any intentionality in it being last, but it is the one we put the most emphasis on, but it's mm -hmm. probably the least effective and important um, in, in comparison to the, the rest of those frequencies. And so how do we use this? It's not about filling them all out. It's not about making sure you've got one for each. It's mm -hmm. a menu. It's meant to help you think about how do I show up in the organization in different ways, um, making choices about what I want to change, about how I show up in the organization, and having a deliberate plan of action. And so it's, it's a model to help, help someone think through that. Uh, there's uh, obviously again, and, and I can I can tell you're dying to get a whiteboard, aren't you, Jamie? I mean, <laughs> there, there is one in my office, but it's 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 uh, a <laughs> knowing knowing your communication style. I know with, with writing and, and the drawing, and, and I can I can just I I, I can I can sense that. But I appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, doing it this way here. Um, the uh, uh, there's a lot. Obviously, there's a, a lot more there. And um, where can individuals find out more about the work that you do and more of your resources? Yeah, so um, uh, right now it's just a blog that will hopefully change soon. But uh, my website is jflinch.com. Um, so they can, they can find, uh, find me there. Um, uh, they can also spell out jamieflinchball.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I appreciate when people tell me why they're connecting to me. I, I don't accept all connections. Uh, mm -hmm. I like to see that there's some, some intent there, but you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, and so those are, those are the best two places. And even though the book's um, 11 years old now, um, I still stand by an awful lot of what we wrote in The Hitchhiker's Guide to Lean. Um, and so still, still doing fairly well for an 11-year-old book. Um, and uh, people want to learn more about how I think. That's not a not a bad and and uh, not a very expensive way to start. <laughs> what's what's on the horizon for for Lean? Um, in the sense of, you know, a lot of organizations are quote unquote doing Lean. So, um, and and again, whether or not they they truly are, they're saying they're doing Lean. And so, uh, is there a competitive advantage to those doing Lean or or um, well, I think there is because I think there's a competitive advantage to companies doing lean well, um, and, and and because so many are 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 so many are just you know it's just lip service. Uh, plenty are trying, but they they've got a long long slog ahead of them. And so if you can get to good, if you can get to effective, um, I think absolutely it's competitive advantage. Um, so it's, it's uh, just like anything, capital, capital isn't uh, 
a competitive advantage just because you have more, you've got to deploy it properly. So just because you do lean doesn't work, doesn't matter. It's whether you deploy lean effectively. You, mm -hmm. you really use it to work on the right stuff in the right way, in a sustainable way. So I, I think it's, it is a competitive advantage. What's next? Um, I think we have a long way to go to uh, adopt and apply lean in some of the very important functions that aren't as engaged, sales, marketing, product development engaged, but still very immature in our journey around product development, um, HR, finance. So we still have a long, long way to go in many of those, those specific aspects. I think the biggest, though, the biggest two, I would say, is real cross-functional engagement, really being able to solve problems across boundaries, and that includes into your supply chain. Hmm. Is the supplier, is your supplier an adversary? Are they a con contract? Are they a transaction? Or are they a partner? And how do we use lean skills to solve problems and improve our work across those boundaries and upstream to our customers? Do we are we transparent with them as we make those connections, bring them together and actually engage in solving problems together as opposed to appearing like we've got all our problems solved? The other area that I think we, most organizations have still struggled at is really making the center of the universe of lean the manager. Um, so the center of the universe of lean in most organizations is their lean team. That's where the skills reside. That's where the coaching comes from. And then you get a few leaders here and there that really adopt it. They mentally understand it. They coach. They make their responsibility to coach their team. And when we get organizations where that is the first role of a, of a manager is the coaching and development of their team, and they are the stewards of how the team works, not just who's on it and what the priorities are, but how the team works, then I think we've truly embedded lean in an organization. And uh, that's still the exception compared to the rules. So I think we have a long way to go to make that, to make that more, more commonplace. Well, Jamie, thank you so much, so much for uh, being on, on the show here today. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to talk with you. And, uh, and, and thanks for all the LLC, ILC members for, for being engaged in the way that they are. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, sir, take care. And uh, when are you going to be, any plans to be in Iowa anytime soon with the ILC? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, no, right. no plans currently, but uh, always, always welcome visits. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jamie. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed our program and that you'll tune in next time. For more information, please check us out at our website at zstrat.com.